May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Please be seated. Well, we all know that Father Ben does not like, he's not a fan of enumerated sermons. So I will not enumerate them. But you will notice that I have specific points. <laughs> to begin, let us be reminded that our Lord Jesus, what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for his people. He has done the work which the Jewish high priest of old did on behalf of the Israelites, namely the act of atonement. Under the law, we remember, which is the old covenant, the priest repeatedly offered blood sacrifices for the sins of the people. But with the new covenant, Jesus himself made a blood sacrifice once for all upon the cross. His blood shed for us for our full permanent salvation. Therefore, we have moved from the inefficacy of the legal sacrifices into the efficacy of Christ's sacrifice. Now that's not all we're going to discuss today. We will be reminded that there is another great work which our Lord Jesus Christ is yet doing. That work is the work of intercession. Yes, he is interceding for us. And then lastly, we will look at how it is that we can apply these realities of faith apply them to our lives moving forward from this day on. Now, much of my study this week has included sources and thoughts gathered from people like Matthew Henry, Bishop N.T. Wright, and Bishop J.C. Ryle. Now, you probably know Henry and Wright. You've probably heard of those two. I don't know if you know much about J.C. Ryle, but he was the first bishop of the Church of England in Liverpool, England. His life and work occurred during the last half of the 19th century, and he's best known for tracts. You've got these tracts on the street corner? He's best known for those tracts that he wrote. These tracts in reality were sermons. If you're not familiar with Bishop Ryle, I encourage you to look up his works. There are a couple other sources I'll refer today. You may know these people, Father Ben, Father Benji. Let us remember Father Ben's teaching from last Sunday, during which he reminded us that a return to the Bible was the foundation of the Reformation. And specifically, he reminded us of the doctrine laid out for us in Romans, the third chapter. That is, grace is a free gift from God, and because of that grace, we can achieve salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. It is through Christ's bloodshed. Then in the liturgy of the vigil of all saints that night, Father Benjamin exhorted us to depend on Jesus Christ, who is our intercessor and advocate, who will enable us to stand, to stand secure in our faith and practice, as well as in the trials of this life. Now, I'd like to turn to our text today, Hebrews 9, 
24 through 28. And if you want, uh, you can follow along. You'll find that passage beginning on page 1006 in the Pew Bible, if you don't have your own or your phone. Verses 9, 24 through 28. But I'll, I want to start with verse 19. I, I think even though we've heard part of this, this is too good of a, a news flash to let it pass. Let's begin with verse 19, page 1006. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This scripture tells us why we can believe and trust in Jesus Christ as our way to salvation. Now, I just want to interject something here. It's a thought that kind of came to me. And I, I imagine you're thinking the same thing, or some of you might. You may have a question said, well, why should the heavenly sanctuary need to be purified? What could have been wrong with it? Now, this is an interjection. But Bishop N.T. Wright says, it seems that there wasn't anything wrong with the heavenly sanctuary itself, but that it needed to be made ready for the arrival of people with whom there had been a very great deal wrong, namely sinful human beings. Just That's free. It won't cost you anything. The legal sacrifices referred to earlier could not of themselves put away sin. Sin would still have encumbered and enslaved us and had dominion over us. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, by one sacrifice, has made an end of sin. He has destroyed the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 
He said, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Bishop J.C. Ryle says, there is one great work which the Lord Jesus Christ has done and finished completely. That work is the work of atonement, sacrifice, and substitution. It is the work which he did when he suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He came down to the world to suffer in our stead and to save us. As man, he bore our sins and carried our transgressions. As man, he endured all that men can endure and went through everything in man's experience, sin only accepted. As man, he lived. As man, he went to the cross. As man, he died. As man, he shed his blood in order that he might save us poor shipwrecked sinners and establish a communication between earth and heaven. As man, he, Jesus, became a curse for us in order that he might bridge the gulf and make a way by which you and I might draw near to God with boldness and have access to God without fear. In all this work of Christ, remember that he who did it was not only man but God. Christ was man and God. Let that never be forgotten. He who wrought our redemption was perfect man, but he never ceased for a moment to be perfect God. The first work he did once for all. <clears throat> Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. It was a finished, perfect work. When Christ offered up the sacrifice on the cross, no other sacrifice need be offered beside the sacrifice once made by the Lamb of God. Made when he shed his own blood at Calvary. Can you say, thanks be to God? This then is the way to the Father and the ineffable joys of eternal life. As Jesus himself said to Thomas in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Therefore, we come to God by Christ, pleading no other plea, mentioning no other name, trusting in no other righteousness, resting on no other foundation than this, that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus has risen, and Jesus will come again for those who eagerly wait for him. In this we can draw near to God the Father with boldness and confidence, looking into his face. Without fear we draw near to God the Father through Jesus Christ, knowing that Christ has made us pure through his blood sacrifice. Now, let's work at the, look at the work that our Lord Jesus Christ is doing, actively doing, on behalf of those of us who have accepted him as Savior. Matthew Henry put it this way, 
Christ's sacrifice, though offered upon earth, was by himself carried up into heaven and is there presented in a way of daily intercession. For he appears in the presence of God for us. Jesus has gone to heaven not only to enjoy the rest and receive the honor due to him, but to appear in the presence of God for us, to present our persons and our performances, to answer and rebuke our adversary and accuser, to secure our interest, to perfect all our affairs, and to prepare a place for us. The first work Jesus did on earth when he died upon the cross. The second work he carries on in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. And the second work he carries on and accomplishes solely and entirely on behalf of his people. Yes, on behalf of you and me. Is that good news? Again, I'll quote Bishop J.C. Ryle. He, Jesus, is acting as the manager, the representative, the mediator of all things between his people and God. He is ever obtaining daily supplies of fresh mercy and of fresh grace for his poor, weak servants who need daily mercy for daily sins and daily grace for daily necessities. He ever prays for them. As he prayed for Simon Peter upon earth, so I believe he prays for his people now. He presents their names before God the Father. He carries their names upon his heart, the place of love, and upon his shoulder, the place of power, just as the high priest carried the names of all the tribes of Israel from the least to the greatest when he wore the robes of his office. Great news. You and I. Jesus presents his prayers before God for us. Those prayers go up before God the Father mingled with Christ's all-prevailing intercession, making them acceptable in God's sight. Jesus makes our prayers acceptable. Jesus lives to be the friend, the advocate, the priest, the all-prevailing agent of all who are his members here on this earth. Believing and knowing this, as Father Benji said last week, in Jesus we are able to stand. We can stand because of Jesus, because of his intercession for us. Jesus Christ the Lord is living at God the Father's right hand. He's right now living in, at God's right hand. And Jesus is one who never dies. He is one who never fails, never disappoints, never forsakes, never changes his mind, and never breaks off friendship. That one, the Lord Jesus Christ, lives to intercede at the right hand of God. He is the great high priest sitting on the throne of grace where he waits to receive those who come to him to unburden their hearts in his presence. We ought to remember that he is now sitting at the right hand of God to do a work as real, as true, as important to our souls as the work he did when he shed his blood 
Christ lives and is not dead. He lives as truly as you and I. Christ sees us, hears us, knows us, and is acting as a priest in heaven on behalf of his believing people. Christ lives and is not dead. Can you say that? Christ lives and is not dead. Jesus' intercession for us is a continuous and everlasting one. In that, we should take comfort, especially in this world where there are so many enemies to be encountered and overcome. We do not have to stand alone. Yes, we have very few sometimes who stand with us and many who oppose us, especially in today's culture. But we are able to be encouraged. Jesus said in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a story here I would tell you. Is, it's recorded of one, a man who lived in the 17th century, a man well known in his day and generation, a man who left behind a legacy of having a pure character, Lord Falkland. It is recorded of Lord Falkland during the Commonwealth Wars when he was often engaged in duties from morning to night that a common prayer of his before leaving the, his tent went something like this. Lord, I am going this day to the duty whereunto I am called. I may sometimes forget thee. I cannot have my thoughts at all times as fully fixed upon thee as I wish. But, Lord, if I this day I forget thee, do not thou forget me. This is the thought that we as believers should employ daily. From the time we get out of bed in the morning, when we leave the house every day, as we go about our daily business and our chores, let us bear in mind, there is one living in heaven who intercedes for us. There at the right hand of the Father lives one who never forgets us. In the busyness of our lives, may we pray as Lord Falkland said, Lord, if I this day forget thee, do not thou forget me. And we know we have that promise. He will not forget us. He is there interceding for us right now. Now, as I approach conclusion, I want you to remember that Christ is right now at this moment in heaven itself. He is within the Holy of Holies. The great high priest is yet to come forth out of the Holy of Holies to bless all his people who have believed on him. One part of his work he did when he died upon the cross. Another part of the work he did he is still doing. That's interceding for us at God's right hand. But the third part, the third part of the high priest office remains yet to be done. Be encouraged. It remains yet to be done. He has yet to come forth from the Holy of Holies. That part of Christ's work is yet to come. Yes, I repeated it because I want you to be expecting. Someday he will come in power and great glory. We have read in Acts 1, 9 through 11 before, where you may recall that Jesus was talking with his disciples about his expectations for the coming of his kingdom, 
and how the disciples would receive power of the Holy Spirit. It reads, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. We are promised that. Jesus will come just as he left this world. He will come together from the north and from the south, from the east and from the west. All who have loved his name and confessed him before men. All who have heard his voice and followed him. He will gather us. He will gather them into one happy congregation. There will be no more weakness, no more sorrow. No more parting, no more separation, no more sickness, and no more death. No more disputing, and no more controversy. No more fighting with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And best of all, no more sin. That day will be a happy day indeed. When the high priest comes forth to do the third and last part of his work. To rescue and receive his people, believing, his believing people, to receive them unto himself. Christ will come again. Christ will come again. Now, here's the application, I think, of all that we've heard this morning. How we can apply these realities of faith to our lives moving forward from this time on. We find it in Hebrews 10 soon to follow after our today's lection, page 1007, and I will begin with verse 19 and read that. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet with one another, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.